Good evening, Aston Villa fans. Welcome to the Villa Forever podcast. I am your host, Chad Williams. Before we get started, first of all, if you're new to this channel, please hit subscribe and you can follow me on all audio platforms as well. This evening, I'm joined by my special guest, Jacob Tanswell, who is an Aston Villa writer for The Athletic. I'll be doing the pre-match talk show, Aston Villa versus Bullen. Sunday, it is a 2pm kickoff at Villa Park. On Sunday, Aston Villa face the Cottagers at Villa Park. And hopefully we can keep the, the good home for going. I'm really pleased to have you on the show tonight, Jacob. No, thank you very much for having me, Chad. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Um, I know we've been speaking for a little while, haven't we, about doing a podcast, so great that we've got this time all arranged and yeah we can chat about Villa and how well they're doing too how are you doing yeah good thank you it's been um it's been a, obviously a whirlwind few months obviously moving uh, relocating to Birmingham and, and and everything else that's come with it but it's it's obviously traveling you know everywhere with Villa overseas up and down the country it's been not much time to think really but it's been it's been fantastic and yeah it's such a massive club and I've, I've really enjoyed covering them so far because I really like the the articles you write to the Athletic. They're always very inform informative and very interesting as well. No, yeah, appreciate that, Chad. I think it's um yeah something I've always wanted to do. Um, you know, journalism has always been a passion of mine, so I try to be as varied as I can in my coverage. Um, but. The reaction so far has been great, but I always think it helps when when you're winning. I think if if Villa are losing, then people might have different opinions of my of my coverage. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you're enjoying it, mate. And if you mind me asking, Jacob, how long do you work for the Athletic for? So I, I joined the Athletic in in June 2022. So uh, just you know, probably can't to 15, 16 months now. Um, yeah, joined us as as the Slamton correspondent. Did that for a season, and then yeah, in May I got offered this opportunity to um to relocate and, and to cover Villa, obviously in in Europe as well. So yeah, it's been a it's been a fantastic um, few years really uh, for me personally. But yeah, just uh just hopefully I can settle down and and be here for a little while. Also, I've had Greg Evans on the show before. He's a great guy. He's he, he works the Athletic as well. Yeah, yeah, Greg. Greg's fantastic. He's um he's covered Villa for a long time, hasn't he? Um, and he's now gone on to to Liverpool. So um, yeah, we speak very regularly, me and Greg. We do a lot of work together, and um, yeah, he's he's got a lot lot of time for Villa, and yeah, he's obviously he he knows you very well too. But before I get into the talk show, I'm using my platform to spread awareness of Duchenne Muskin dystrophy. Over the last few weeks, I've been showing the different stages of progression of Duchenne. Uh, this week, I've been showing stage six, which is the final stage of DMD at mid-twenties. 
and also please let's all spread awareness of Dushian and the helpful information that you'll see is on the bottom of the screen which is very helpful thank you so I'm going to talk about last weekend's game first Jacob yeah. what is your verdict from the Nottingham Forest game last Sunday yeah, it was um, it's a difficult game, wasn't it, for for Villa? I, I had um, a lot of question marks leading into it because Forest, from a stylistic point of view, present different challenges to Villa. Obviously, they, they sit deeper, um, they condense the space. You know, Ollie Watkins, the RV, flies in in space and and runs in behind, but um, they wouldn't obviously had that against a low block in, in Forest. And Forest's front three, you saw it straight away. To be honest with you, Chad, um, with the goal yeah. as well. They can they can stretch him behind. They can run him behind. And with Villa's high line and on turnovers, it was always going to be quite you know vulnerable. And it would be a good yeah. or good gauge to see where Villa are. Um, I think they were quite flat in general. I thought they tried a little bit, but they weren't. They were quite passive in possession. Um, and they got a few things wrong. And it's the type of game that can happen. You can always lose. Um, it's not a big deal. But how you bounce back? And obviously, we'll talk about Fulham soon, Chad. But um, yeah. yeah. Forest, Forest was one of those days, days really, in short. It felt strange with Villa losing. I'm so used to Villa winning these days. Yeah. So it felt really weird. It felt really weird to lose that game. But the yeah, thing yeah. is, though, you, we, we can't win them all, though. We're only going to learn from our mistakes. Yeah, it, it completely, exactly. I think... Uh... You probably learn more from defeat than from all the victories that Villa have had recently. It's you know you, you see there's still work to do in terms of breaking down that low block, like I, I mentioned, but also that high line. I know he, they didn't get punished, but you probably saw it at Altmar yesterday. Um, in terms of it can be quite vulnerable, you know, to transitions, balls over the top. Um, so it's just about working that out. And you know, if Douglas Luiz has to have a good game in midfield, then you know who else is going to step up? And I think that's something that Emery's probably looked at and. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they have a huge response on that Villa Park on Sunday um, to, to bounce back from that. Because Steve Cooper, he did a very good tactical job on us. Because mm. with Forrest, they have a lot of men behind the ball. And it made it difficult for us to find a breakthrough in the end. Yeah, com- complete, I completely agree with you, Chad. I think they, it does help that they, they got both of their goals at the start of half. So I kind of dictates the game rhythm from then and they can then sit into a shape and the fans can stay with them. Because if it was nil-nil when they were sitting in a low block, the Forest fans might get a little bit frustrated. They probably want them to come out and press a little bit more. Um, but the fact they already got a goal nice and early, they had something to protect and um, it worked in their favour. And as I said, it was one of those days where Villa, things went in the net, uh, they couldn't score. Um, you know, I think Steve Cooper is obviously a very good manager, but on that day, pragmatism favoured him, where in other weeks it probably won't. It was just a bad day at the office, I think. Not, not things just didn't go our way. It was very poor in the final third. Also, I thought we had a lot of chances, but it was painful to watch our missed opportunities. It's one of those days when we never got like scoring. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think you had that Ollie Watkins chance, didn't you? From 
John McGinn cross, if memory serves me correctly. And, That's right, yeah. And usually he would he would hit the target like he did yesterday. And you know who knows if they get that goal back early in the second half, then you know maybe the the, the tide will turn. But yeah, as you say, you probably saw it as one of those days uh, quite early on, really, in terms of how you know Villa were playing and you know that Ola Aina strike in the fourth minute or whatever. You know, very rarely a fullback runs onto the ball and hits the first time that precisely. Um, so it's, yeah, as you say, it was one of those days, but. Um, it's important they bounce back. All, all clubs in the top four, top five, top six will have those games where they'll, they'll feel flat. Mm-hmm. Important now is that they go, they continue this run at former home. Keep it going. Yeah, and they bounce back. Um, and they go into the international break feeling really strong. You know, two wins inside four days at Villa Park, uh, in a healthy position in the league. And then after the after the international break, after further rest, they can really hit the ground running with obviously crucial games in the league and also in the cup too. Because look at Zaniola, if he scored that chance, it could have been a different game, I think. Yeah, completely. Um, it was just, just his touch was a little bit heavy, and it kind of sums him up at the moment, doesn't it? He's, um, Zaniola's a player that's, you know, he's he's got real defined characteristics, but he just needs that goal. It looks like he's becoming a little bit desperate for that goal. And he was just stretching, wasn't he? And you're completely right in what you say, Chad. I think they got that goal nice and early. Uh, would have been an equaliser. Would have set Bill, um, Forrest back again. They would have had their momentum. They can start being that composed, controlled team that Emery always wants. And they can slowly break Forrest down. The fact was, they always were chasing the game. And yes. when you're trying to be real controlled in possession you're trying to coax opposition players out you need a real big layer of patience and you couldn't do that because you went down you know so early and the atmosphere and everything else was against them but yeah if Zaniolo takes that charge which I'm sure he will next time he gets it um yeah as you say yeah he's getting a bit of unfair criticism Mm -hmm. good is I like his work right but I do think once he gets his, his goal he'll give him confidence then yeah, I, I do think so. As I said, uh, I think he's um he's looking a little bit desperate at the moment, isn't he, for that goal. He's shooting from different angles. He's trying to take a few risks, which is fine. Um, but I do feel when Jacob Ramsey's back, he'll probably go up front alongside Ollie Watkins, be that uh, deputy for Musa Diaby, um, and maybe he'll get a few more chances in, in those positions. We'll go to the next question now, Jacob. Yeah. How can we can't replicate a very good home for into away games and what do we need to do to improve as well from away from home yeah it's, it's a it's a very good question i think naturally um most most teams are better at home purely because of the atmosphere um home comfort everything like that especially with villa you know 13 straight wins is what it's going to be hopefully um that's such a fantastic platform to be in um and obviously away it's a little bit different and I think they struggled, and the reason why Villa struggled is because, as I said earlier, they have to be quite confident and brave on the ball at the back. They want to keep hold of the ball, the baiting, coaxing opposition players, pressing the ball, exploiting the vacant space. And at home, they can do it because you you have that more patience, and you, you know teams will sit back a little bit more. But you know, as you saw us at James and and Anfield when they got turned over, yeah. when atmosphere is against them, when the other teams hostile, they're aggressive, they're in their face. Um, it's, it's more difficult and it's sort of for Villa they have to maintain the composure I think they've done it in certain games this year I think Alton was a brilliant example away from home yeah. uh, unfortunately Forest won't match that pipe I guess but it's something that Emery always keeps talking about in his press conference and I'm, something I'm sure he'll learn too because I'm sure what it is because 
Do you have the exactly same group of players? Don't know what it could be. You know, when we spoke about the high line, mm. some teams are learning how to exploit it. Mm. But you know, at Emory, sometimes it, it mostly works, but there's always that odd time. But sometimes teams take advantage of it. I think you saw that yesterday, didn't you, Chad? Um, at Alkmaar. You know, the, the only way they would have scored, I, you know, I tweeted it a number of times, was that long boy over the top behind Clement Longley. And I think it, the high line probably works when you've got a settle back four, you've got, you know, really real quick centre-backs like Esri Konsa. Um, but it's difficult when, when you haven't got that and you've got, a, you know, a makeshift back line malfunctioning. Um, so, you know, high line's great. I think it's mostly effective, but there will be some times when it's not quite. And I guess you just need a goalkeeper like Emi Martinez who can come out and sweep and, and clear up. Because it's a bit like the Newcastle guy. In the first game of the season, we got beaten 5-1. But then after that, Emery come up with a solution. Yeah. He always comes up with another solution how to improve. Yeah, and I'm sure you know we've, we've we've seen it so many times. Like you say, I think you know you'll you'll see next time they go away from home to a team like Forest who pose the same stylistic challenges in terms of sitting back and hitting you on the counter. Um, they'll probably come up with a different way of building up the play and, and guarding against the threat that Forest obviously exploited. Because I think I think by improving our way form, mm. I think we need to finish chances off a lot better. Mm. I think sometimes we need to move the ball. A lot quicker. Another thing I like Villa to see do more of is take advantage of set piece situations. A bit like last night with Diogo Carlos scored. We need to do us. I'm sure asking McPhee. I'm sure you figure out a way how to get better at that. Yeah, I completely agree. I think they've been quite inventive in their set play recently, haven't they? I think they've probably not had the rubber of the green. You only, for example, you know, came along, they had that goal disallowed yesterday. Um, that, and that was from a set piece or second phase of a set piece. Um, so I think they've been quite good from set plays in terms of being creative. But, you know, I remember Diego Carlos missing a few from three headers against uh, Zrinsky Mostar. So, you know, they're getting, they're getting some good opportunities. They're making some good uh, runs. You know, every concert got around the back um, the other day against West Ham. Uh, but they just need to be a bit more clinical. But yeah, I think set players are quite a, a quite a good tool for Villa. It's just they need to execute it a little bit better. Does it? We probably might pick up more points because so a lot of the big teams don't score goals or so free kicks, corners. But I think we'll definitely improve on that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they will. And you know, Emery's always trying to find these marginal gains, isn't he? So um, I'm sure. I'm sure they'll they'll focus and and. Um, Hopefully they'll they'll get some more goals towards towards the end of the campaign too from that place. So let's talk a bit about Jacob Ramsey and Alex Moreno. So if they are fully fully fit, should they start? That's that's a question. I think for me, Jacob Ramsey Ramsey should should start. Um, you know, he's a he's a top player, isn't he? And he, he carries the ball. He probably can crack a game open. Um, you know, one v one, good dribbler. Um, but Luca Dean has been good, hasn't he, for most of the season? I think he surprised. Oh, a lot. Oh, 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 I'm a big fan of Luca Dean. Yeah, yeah, he surprised a lot of people. And I think for me, you probably say Luca Dean deserves a run in the team. You know, he deserves his chance until until he, he you know he doesn't kind of. Um, and and Moreno can come in, but Moreno's probably just going to be eased in a little bit. You know, he'll play thirty minutes, forty five minutes, um, play a few cut games, hopefully. 
Um, but yeah, Luca Dean, I think he's done really well, and he deserves to keep his place. Can be Mariner. If we get first choice, probably have Luca Dinya. But I don't think with Dinya, expected to play in so many games. No, no, he was expected to be sold at the start of the season, Chad. You know, he was, That's he's, it. On, yeah. he's done 120,000 pounds a week, one of the highest earners in, in Avila. And you know, it, was, it was made clear to him in, in pre season that he'd be allowed to move on um, and they would sign another left back. Obviously, things have conspired against them. Um, and you know, Alex Moreno's injury was longer than everyone thought. And uh, he's now obviously carved open a bit of luck and uh, he's um, he's doing really well. So, you know, who knows what happens in January and, and in the summer, Luca Dean. But right now, I think, he, yeah, as you say, he's been really good so far, really solid. And yeah, he deserves to, to keep playing, I guess. But going back to Jacob Ramsey and Alex Moreno, I think if it wasn't for them playing at the end of last season, we probably wouldn't have got into that conference league spot. They played a crucial part. Yeah, yeah, you, you're completely right. Like, um, I think Jacob Ramsey, he's just got something different, hasn't he? And he's he scored a few crucial games last year. And also, he's so key on on the transition. He's such a powerful runner. As I said earlier, he carries the ball so well, and he knows how to play that you know left sided number ten position. And him cutting inside with Moreno overlapping as that left winger, really dynamic, really quick, and they offer a completely different. The threat to Zaniolo and, and Luca Dean. Come on, talk about Jacob Ramsey. He's very direct driving the team forward, which Unai Emery really likes. Also, he has good speed, excellent control, and he's been making great runs as well. Yeah, I I, I completely agree with you. I think he's um. Yeah, he, as I said, he's, he's got something completely different different to what everyone else has. And sometimes with Villa, I, I feel like they can be susceptible to being in one gear. Um, they can, you know, you see it against low blocks, but this guy offers something completely different. Um, he obviously speeds up the tempo. He can break a game open 1v1. And I think the more options uh, and the different type of attackers Emery has, I think he's probably better in encountering all different challenges. I mean, Ramsey, he's adding goals to his game as well. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he is, isn't he? And you, you've seen already this season, he's not been very fit. Um, but you saw against Brighton, that, that goal where he cuts inside and whips it to the far post as well. Very clinical. And you think, if he can stay fit, you know, I wouldn't say 10 goals at least is out of bounds, really, for him. Um, he's a you know, normal feature, uh, finisher both, off both feet as well. Um, so, yeah, he's just getting back after the international break and... You know, it'll be a huge, huge boost to, to Villa in every competition, really. I felt sorry for Jacob Ramsey. Because he's been very unfortunate of injuries. But every time he plays well, he seems to get injured. <laughs> it, it's, just, it's a completely same with Alex Moreno, though, isn't it? They've, they've both suffered reoccurrence of their issues. Obviously, Jacob Ramsey, but it's sustained in the European Championships in the summer. And obviously Alex Moreno as well with his hamstring, um, and it's yeah, it's always difficult for a young player. I think it probably comes when you're Jacob Ramsey's age in his early twenties, where you break on or burst onto the scene very early. Yeah, but your body's not quite fully, you know, it's not fully grown and fully matured, and you, you do have these issues. And even though if it's got nothing to do with your your puber with puberty or growth, 
you know, sometimes it takes a little while to, 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 to basically recover from these, these issues. So the for you know, the foot issue is obviously it was an impact on you, it was staying in the game, but you know, it can affect different you know aspects, different ligaments as well within your legs. So yeah, it's really important that they he's looked after and he's he's prolonged longer term for Villa because he's gonna be one of those players that it's gonna be so crucial and could be a future captain to me. The thing I'll tell you what I like about Alex though as well. He loves to go forward using his pace. Hmm. He's very confident. Yeah. And also as well as your attacking qualities. I like the way he tracks back for the team mm. very quickly when required. Mm. That's, that's very important to the chat because, you know, in possession, Alex Barone is essentially playing as a left winger. So he's leaving a lot of space in behind him. So when, when you do lose the ball and turnover, you've got to have that recovery place. And that's probably something that Luca Dean struggles with. He's, he's a very solid player, but he hasn't got that explosiveness in his ball carrying, but also defensively as well, recovering. Moreno has got that pace, hasn't he? So you look at that high line that we, we talked about earlier. If the ball does go over the top, he's probably got that pace to recover, get back in one v one, get really low and, and defend properly. So um, I'm really looking forward to seeing Moreno. Obviously, I've seen them a little bit, but I've never seen him properly in, in the flesh. He's covering Aston Villa because he was an excellent side, you know. Yeah, he's really part of the Illinois Emery's like, rebuild. Yeah, he was one of. The, it was was he the first signing? Correct me if I'm wrong. Actually, yes, I think he was. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and Emery obviously knows them uh, know very, very well and he knows his quality. So he obviously is the number one left back. Um, but Luca Dean obviously is, is, is doing really well. So um, it's up to Moreno to break into the team. Because Luca Dean, yeah, especially in that Hibs game, he has so much space to cross the ball. Because Dean is great at whipping the ball in. He got three assists in that in that game. Yeah, a lot of space in the Forest game as well, didn't he? I think that's yeah, the way they, they like to be quite narrow. Um, and then they like to switch to play out, and, and Dean's obviously fantastic cross of the ball most of the time. So um, yeah, it's up it's up to him now to, to really start showing the, the numbers in terms of his goal contributions. We're going to talk about the Fulham game now. That Sunday two pm kickoff. So how do you think? The Fulham game is going to go, Jacob. You know, you probably have to look at the home form, don't you, at the moment? And you probably say, actually, um, you've got to go. It's got to go as as it is. Joy, you know, go to type in terms of Villa winning again. They've been so dominant at home, such an air of confidence and dominance um, in the way they play. Very comfortable. I think opposition fans and and teams realise how dominant Villa are, and um, it's. It's going to be a game where I think the first goal is always, always obviously, always crucial. But the Villa can score early, like they have in other games. That uh, it should be a very comfortable, um, comfortable uh, afternoon. Because I'm confident we'll win that game. Yeah, yeah. And also, I don't think it's going to be our easiest home game. But I expect a big reaction after the Forest disappointments. And also, we're going to carry on. That fantastic home record. Yeah, uh, I do think Fulham presents similar challenges to to, um, to Forest. They're probably a little bit better in possession, um, but they've got a good pace on the counter as well, and on transition. And you know, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a real arduous game where Villa have got to really try and break Fulham down, you know, till the very few minutes of the game. 
Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do get something for Fulham, but the way Villa are, at some point, obviously, the home form is going to come to an end. Like, you just hope, mm-hmm. given last week's uh, game against Forest, that they can really put on a performance and, and get cr- three crucial points. Because an absolute fortress. Mm. I'm sure Uno Emery, you call him another tactical masterclass. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think em- Emery knows how, how Villa play. Uh, he knows he knows what to do, um, especially at Villa Park. They, things rarely change at Villa at Villa Park. You know they're dominant on the front foot. Um, got their two number ten position, um, and I, I do think that you know not much that has to be changed. The real focus has to be on on the away form, like we said earlier. So hopefully we keep a clean sheet. Can we seem to concede the odd consolation goal? It's weird, isn't it? The looting game was so comfortable, and then. <laughs> Uh, they, they just they just completely just shot themselves in the foot and scored their own goal, didn't they? So, yeah, it, it does feel weird, doesn't it? Everything's going so well, but you can't. They're struggling to keep clean sheets, and it probably frustrates the life out of Amy Martinez. Really, probably wants that you know, real dominant uh, clean sheet and to to show uh, his clean sheets in in numbers rather than just his performances. Because you know, Emery, he's got great attention to de- attention to detail, but he always wants to get it. A perfect performance. Which that, that's what you want as a fan. Yeah, you, you're completely completely right. I think Emery's always a person that's very meticulous. He, he never really celebrates, you know, wins and losses. He always just down a tunnel, doesn't he? Um, as you see, because you see, obviously near the tunnel at, at, at Villa Park, and um, it's for him. Yeah. He's always looking at the longer term processes, and and for him. Looking at any weaknesses will will be glaring. So it's really important that they bounce back, but they have a real not only a win, but it's a real complete performance where everything seems pretty well rounded. To go talk about the Fulham manager, what is your thoughts on Marco Silva? Do you know what? Start of summer, I thought they might be in trouble because Mitrovic was more angling to leave at the time. Marco Silva being interested had interest in Arabia. and they're losing a few key players. And I always thought, is this the second season syndrome? Are they gonna they're gonna struggle this year? But although they're not hitting the heights as they as did as the start of last season in the Premier League, and they're still quite consistent. I thought they bought quite shrewdly. Williams obviously been revitalised. Uh, Andres Pereira it's not quite hit the form yet, but he's he's been doing well um, last season. I think they've got a really a lot of real good creative players, and they all know the system very well in that four three three. Um, uh, and I think Marcus Silva came highly rated to Premier League. Didn't quite work out a Hull, or he did it Hull, but he didn't quite work out at Watford and, and Everton. Um, but I think he's found the type of club that suits him, and I think that's probably one of the reasons why he didn't leave to go to Saudi in the end. Well, I think he's a great manager because if you look at last season, they're massively overachieved. After getting promoted, they finished tenth didn't they last season. Um, yeah, they, they did, but they, they were for most of the season, they were quite high up in the in the league, weren't they? They were doing quite well in the top seven. At one point, I thought they were going to get oh. Europe at one point. But yeah, I, I think they had a real bad run of form towards the end, didn't they? I think they lost to Bournemouth away, which is quite damaging. Um, but yeah, I, I think probably 10th was probably about right, judging by the squad and things like that, but... You probably look at Fulham. You never see them as someone to go down, but you don't see them as anyone to top eight. You probably look at that 
9th to 13th bracket where you want to see that's where they're floating. Uh, like Crystal Palace for all those years. Um, and there's a type of team that on their day, yeah, they, they, they can they can really trouble you. Um, and they obviously haven't got the clinicalness of, of Mitrovic anymore, but they've still got that system and they've still got a way of playing. And I think it's never a foregone conclusion to, to beat Fulham at all. Because I like the way that Fulham have recruited. They brought some in some young, talented, international experience players from all different nationalities. Also, since Marco Silva took charge, I like the way Fulham play a nice brand of attractive passing football, which their supporters probably really appreciate. Yeah, I think that Fulham have always been that type of team, aren't they? Even under Scott Parker. Scott Parker obviously had his had his troubles, but he was always quite a based manager. And they've had it under 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 Marco Silva as well. They're probably a bit more clinical. Um they play a really good style, like you say. They build that from the back fantastically, four through three. Um obviously Paulini is a phenomenal footballer. It was so important to keep him. Um they've had issues this season. They've got Calvin Bassey, Tim Ream. Um, they're both left-footed centre-backs, which always looks a little bit awkward, doesn't it? Having two left-footed centre-backs um, to, to build the play. But I, I don't think they're the type of team that are going to go direct like Al Kamara or Luton. They're going to try and, and try and dominate position as well. So it could be a really interesting tussle with, with Emery's. Because always got bad memories of Fulham. That 2018 playoff final when Tom Kearney. <laughs> it always haunts me when I think of Fulham. <laughs> Yeah, it, it was a bad, it wasn't a very good memory, was it, for uh, for, for the fans? But I think it, it works out all right in the end, I guess. But it's really good drums that season. Was that John Terry's last game? Sorry, Chad. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, I think it was. You know, that's yeah. it. Yeah, I do remember it well. Yeah, that's it. It was John Terry's last game. Yeah, so it, it wasn't it wasn't great, but eventually, the season after that, actually, I let people. I don't think many people know. I was actually at the playoff game against uh, Derby, that playoff final. And I was sat in the Villa end. And that's before I even covered Villa. Um, and that, and that, was, that was that was uh, worth it, I guess, a, a year later. But even then, we was getting that, that, those big winning runs then. Yeah. Because yeah. was it like 10 games or something, was it, with Dean Smith? Yeah, yeah, what, to, to get into to get into get the playoffs? Get into playoffs, yeah. Yeah, because so they obviously took over, weren't doing great, and obviously completely revitalised them as well. And I remember looking at bit at the time, and obviously Jack Grealish captain, um, everything else, Minks coming in from Bournemouth, wasn't it, on loan initially? Yeah. Everything just seemed to have fallen in their favour. And since then, yeah, Dean Smith bought a lot of really good players, we've seen. Um, so, yeah, good memories, those. Jack, I'm just going to have a drink. Yeah, no worries. So now we're going to go to the next question now. So what Fulham players should you watch out for? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. For me, I, I never look at Fulham and think there's a real good individual player. I think there's a real collective. And I, I was saying earlier, I think the, the system outweighs the, the individual brilliance of any player. You, obviously, you look at Jao Pelini, you think he's, he's obviously phenomenal in what he does. 
Uh, Anthony Robertson, I think he's he's a real threat, especially as well as high line. He runs from deep. He's a real athletic uh, fullback, crosses, shoots, set plays. Um, so I think that they're really important. And, you know, you look at William as well. I thought he was done really after Arsenal. I thought he was absolutely finished and gone. Uh, but what he's done since then, I think he's revitalised himself. So they haven't got the stand on name. You know, you, last year, you'd obviously look at Mitrovic, but now this year, you look at that team, you think, actually, there's a lot of good players in there that, that fit the system. And it's, for me, it's more about uh, the, the shape of the team and, and the spaces that they can exploit rather than the player it, it, itself. Also, Paul Minya is an excellent player. It's hugely it's kept him, wasn't it? He was, he was supposed to be going on deadline day. And I think if they lost Mitrovic and Paulinho, two huge players in that spine of the team, it could have been an issue. But they've done really well to keep him. And I don't know how long they're keeping for, but yeah, he could play for any team in the Premier League, couldn't he, at the moment? Because did he score well, dear, against, was it Brighton? I believe so, Chad, yeah. That's it, yeah, yeah. It was, that was a wonderful goal, that was. Mm. He gets a lot of goals. Another player that I was about to say as well, Timothy Castagna. Yeah. They signed him for Leicester City. He can can play left back and right back, can't he? He's one of those players that's so versatile. I think he would get up his Leicester roots. He'd probably suit Villa in a way, in terms of being that deputy Mm. backup in both fullback positions. Um, But yeah, I think Castagna, um, a really shrewd signing too. I think it's important that the weekend. We don't give him too much space to cross because he can yeah. whip some good deliveries in the box. Especially against a high line as well. You've got a lot of space to wait for between defence and the goalkeeper. Um, and yeah, like you say, I think it's important that you don't, they don't get down the flanks too much and, and really threaten Cash or, or Dean, who are, you know, they, they're, fant- they're fantastic fullbacks overall, but there are a few question marks over them defensively, isn't there? Because it isn't Castagna. Is he a Belgium international? He is, yeah. He played in the um the the, the World Cup and, and the Euros, I believe. Do we we spoke about William as well? Mm. Just think he used to play for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. Their rivals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's played for a few clubs, isn't he? I think he was supposed to go to Spurs initially before Chelsea. So he kind of just likes the London life, I think. I think he likes living around there and going to all the clubs. I wouldn't be surprised if he joined West Ham next. Um but yeah, as I said earlier, I thought he was finished. I thought he was over the hill, but he's been given a new lease of life since he's returned to, to Fulham. Um, I, I do think he's, you know, if he plays regularly and he's still got that unbelievable quality, hasn't he? He doesn't really need to rely on pace. He's got that ball manipulation, that 1v1 ability. Uh, and he shoots from long range as well. So it's something to probably keep an eye on. I know we touched on Luca Dino a little bit earlier. Yeah. But have you been impressed with his performances this season? Yeah, like, like I said earlier, Chad, I think for me, Dean was probably one that was available to, to sell. He probably still is, to be fair, because of his salary, because of Villa wanting to manage financial fair play rules. But what he's done is he's come in as the only left back, essentially. You know, John McGinn's had to you know, deputize, uh, deputize there. Uh, and he's played every game, been very consistent. Um, probably hasn't got the dribbling ability of Moreno, the you know, dynamism of him. But he can stand there and he can cross the ball. And what I think he's very good is he's very secure in possession. He gets the ball, plays forward, um, never really loses it when he's trying to pass or combine. And he understands the role very, very well. So I've been really impressed by him. And I think he started to show that form that he had at Everton at Villa. Um, it was obviously very difficult when he joined. You know, Stephen Gerrard yeah. was there. Um, everything wasn't really going very well. But 
I think with more more games, more run of form, not only will he improve Villa, but when they do or when they, if they do try and sell him, that they'll probably get more money than it would have ordinarily at the start of the season from one of those Saudi or, or Qatari clubs. Because Uno Emery, he likes uh, hard-working players. And Dinya, he always gives 100%. Yeah, and I think he's one of those players as well that's got a, obviously a good attitude. He's very diligent. You see how, how he runs as well. He's always trying to... He's bursting into positions as well. And it's not only that, it's just his availability. He's never injured. You know, he, he has a lot of scrapes, a lot of knocks. Mm-hmm. Goes down sometimes, physio treats him... Um, but he's always playing. He's always starting. He plays a lot of ninety minutes. He's very durable. And you think if he if he got injured, say start of the season, mm-hmm. then they could be real trouble. Paratoris would probably have to moonlight there. So yeah, it's, I think he's been one of the underrated players of the season so far. And he's played for Barcelona, yeah, and PSG before. Mm-hmm. He's got very good European experience. People forget that, don't they, Chad? He's, he's got a great, he's got a great CV. He's very accomplished left back. He's played for France as well, um, so he's, he's no mug at all. Um, you know, I, I, I probably lost sight of his qualities. I don't think he's a the, the left winger that Emery wants in possession. He's not that one v one merchant. But what he is, fantastic. And I don't think Villa played to his qualities quite enough because everything had Calvert Lewin, where he would literally touch the ball, get out his feet, and whip it in. Ollie Watkins is a different type of centre forward. He won't win those headers, but so he's had to adapt his game from a crossing standpoint at Luka Dean. Uh, but he's he's still so consistent in his output, and he's still a player like you say that he, he, he's used to performing at a top level, and I'm, I'm sure he can um, if given a chance. He's played at French international level. Yeah, yeah, he, he, he has. He's he's got a lot of caps for them, and. He probably still harbours aspirations of, of, of breaking back into that national team too, along with Moussa Diaby. So, we're going to talk about last night's game, Jacob. Yeah. What was your thoughts from our Conference League group stage match against Aizen Altmar? Yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a tough game, wasn't it? It was very durable. You had to probably toy a lot of Villa. Um, I, I thought the first three minutes were good when they scored. Uh, they got disallowed. Then, kind of, Know, came into a bit of a gradual malaise in the end, didn't it? It was quite quite flat. And the goal that Alkmaar scored kind of woke Villa up in the end. They 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 were a little bit more intent in how they progressed the ball through the thirds. Uh, I thought John McGinn was quite good in terms of his drive. Yuri Tillemans as well was getting better. And it's so important they did score. I think Alkmaar struggled from the, from the outset, really, in crossing, um, defending crosses and, and corners. So it was a really good set play routine for Diego Carlos to score. And then from that point, you look at the, you look at Villa subs and you think, okay, who's going to make the impact? Matty Cash comes on, Douglas Louise comes on. And I'd write a piece earlier in, in, in the morning actually about Douglas Louise and how Emery wants him to create and uh, contribute more assists. And that assist for Ollie Watkins was phenomenal, wasn't it? In terms of how. It's sure those substitutions don't yeah. make the difference in the end. Yeah, and I think they will in the Conference League. Villa have got such strength and depth on the bench, better than any most sides in that, in that uh, tournament. Um, and they will make the difference, especially when you're playing, you know, 90 minutes plus 10 for stoppage time. Bring them on 70 minutes, 75 minutes. They add an extra gear. They're almost the finishers. And when a defence that has been toiling for so long, like Alkmaar, uh, is facing fresh legs, um, that is all the difference, isn't it? Because during that game as well, you felt a little bit nervy at first. Yeah. 
Because I mean, I said Altmar, they did perform well. They gave us a good match, credit to them. Yeah, you look at their number nine, Pavlidis. I think he's a normal striker. He's got a lot of goals so far in, in the era de Vise, and he'll probably go for big money, um, probably to the Premier League in, in the summer. Um, and they always carry that threat on the counter. As I said, the first three minutes were fantastic. Then Villa went through the motions, a lot of cheap giveaways in the, in the defensive third. And Martinez had to make a big save before the half. Um, and Alkmaar are, are a team that are, are solid, but they're not spectacular. And I think if Villa weren't at their races, um, they could have they could have lost that game. But as I we said, thought, I thought as well, the referee was a bit dodgy. <laughs> what did you think of the referees performance? Yeah, well, they made they admit they made a mistake for the, this allowed goal, didn't they? A long race goal. I think European refs are very um they're very different to, to Premier League refs. I know VAR is an absolute car crash at the moment. Um, but in terms of handball rule and and things like that, they're they're very they're very strict, very harsh with what they do, yeah. and they like to break up play a lot. And you know, they sh- actually in the end, Alkmaar could have had a few more yellow cards, mm-hmm. but it's probably just you've got to approach the game differently when you're when you're having uh, overseas officials. Like that. What do you make of the longer line disallowed goal? He was on side, wasn't he? Uh, I I. So at the time, I thought it was a bit weird, but I don't really know the exact nuances of, of the rule to um, to make a comment on it. But then you look at it back, and you think actually, it was onside. It was it came from a clearance. It came from you know deflection off the line, fell back to Leon Bailey who crossed the ball for Clement Longley, and actually, it was okay. I think VAR. We're getting to a point now where we're over complicated football. Football is a game where. It's about putting jumpers down for goalposts. It's a very simple game, but we're making it very complex. And that's in terms of not only red cards, yellow cards, what is it, what constitutes both, but also in terms of offsides. Offsides should be black and white. You're either offside or you're not. Where we're looking at all these subjective mm. issues, and it's becoming just an issue. And I think every time you score a goal, you're thinking, it's VAR coming in. And because if they are up, it's not consistent. No. And also, there's always one rule for another. Which one I don't like about it. I, I'm not, I must admit, I've never been a huge fan of, of VAR. And I always feel like football should mirror society. There's, there's, you're always going to make mistakes in, in society and you're always going to make mistakes in football. But over a course of a 38-game season, that balances out. Where I know I was never a big fan of VAR. And to be fair, I was never a big fan of goal and technology. I like yeah. goal and technology. I always thought as soon as you introduce the robotic system into football, then it's going to have a snowball effect and you're just going to start introducing more things. And you, you've seen it so far this season, I think, or since VAR's coming in. It's a very computerised, robotic game and um, I think we're losing the, the natural... It's not like a studio in London. Yeah, it's... But it's, when the VAR, that's how they do it, though. It's an industrial state. It's Stockley Park. It's um, And, you know, if you are going to introduce technology into the game, it's got to be accurate. You've seen cricket, you've seen mm-hmm. rugby. They get the right decision. Um, and I could probably live, live with that. But the fact they're taking so long, they're, they're killing the joy out of football and they're still getting the wrong decision. Yeah. Um, that's that's the issue, isn't it? It, it? it wastes a lot of time because uh, then you've got a lot of injury time that's added on to that. A bit like, and also, you know, that's the top of the Liverpool game. Yeah. And that was a terrible decision, that was. Yeah, they absolutely messed up there. But they, all these added time we're having, you know, people want to go home. They want to watch EastEnders, don't they? So <laughs> they don't want to. They don't want to, be, they want to be just staying there at football and waiting for your car parking to be, to expire. So, um, yeah, I'm, I've never been a big fan of VAR. Um, 
I, I don't think it should be the, in the game. But if it is going to be in the game, at least get it right. We will stop round to the back there, yeah. <laughs> we'll go back to the game a little bit. But uh, it, was, it wasn't our best last night. But all that it matters is grinding out results. Because exactly. what I liked about it is his back's to the wall. Yeah, exactly. And especially in the group stage, you don't want to peak too soon in, the, in a European competition. Um, you want to shape your best football towards the end of the competition. It's really important, especially after the legged defeat in Poland a, a month or so ago, that they just get through these games. And you look now, there's a big gap opening up between first and second and third and fourth. Beat Legia at home, everything should be rosy in the garden. Um, get the so, job done. Exactly. Get the job done. Be effective. doesn't matter how you play. Get that done. And then you can look forward to the knockout stages without having to play the extra game against a Europe, Europa League side and then continue from there. So, like, you hit the nail on the head there, Chad. I think it's just all about the results at this moment in time. Because in the conference league as well, you can't always be dominating every game. Because each game brings different challenges. Yeah, and, and John McGinn said that on, on Wednesday when I spoke to him. Conference League play, uh, teams complete a different percent, uh, present a complete different stylistic challenge. They're very slow. They can, they can be quite attritional you know, in the way they play as well. So, yeah, it's, it's different, different from the blood and guts of, of Premier League football, but... Like I say, I think uh, a Villa are, are becoming accustomed to it now, which is really a good thing. Yeah, did you sit in the press conferences? Yeah, I do, yes. Uh, do you have any questions when you usually have to ask? I always, yeah, I always tend to go first to ask who and I uh, any questions. I always, go, I always ask two or three um, uh, every 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 press conference before and after games. But that'll be amazing, because also that does Hyle from BBC WM. I've had him on the show as well. Yeah, exactly. You should uh, you should come you should come on in one time and uh, ask yeah, you like, to. fantastic. Um, yeah, I can hopefully if you if you we can sort something out after that. But you can fantastic and uh, see. I'm sure he'll be he'll be very accommodating too. So I'm going to go to the last last question now, Jacob. Yeah. Who was your player of the match last night? Oh, it's a good question. I, I don't think anyone really stood out for me. I think it was quite a, you know performance that was quite well-rounded in the end um for me probably emmy martinez i wrote the piece on the athletic this morning about emmy martinez i thought his sweeping was very good made that big save and after the forest defeat where he was at fault for the second goal i think he bounced back really well but you know if you had to look at an outfield play you'd probably have to say douglas louise he wasn't on for long but he you know he made the, t- the telling touch didn't he good on martinez because he suits you know emery's style of play well he plays that sweeper keeper role. Yeah, exactly. And you think if you if you didn't have Emmy Martinez, <laughs> you'd have Robin Olsen instead. Then that high line could be you know pretty precarious. So yeah, Emmy Martinez has got an unbelievable resume, and uh, yeah, he's so crucial to how Villa operate. I was impressed with Yuri Tielemans last night. Yeah, I think we said it earlier, didn't we, Chad? I think he's um he's growing into the game. He's becoming more athletic, more dynamic. Um, and he's and he's showing you know, a bit more energy. He's um. I think he's slowly getting there. Because maybe we need Tillemans to play more away guys, maybe. That could be it. You know, you look at there's a few players that Emery said that are better home and away. So if Tillemans can be the opposite, then it could be pretty good balance. Because I like the way he plays that further advanced role. <laughs> I do as well. I think it suits suits him as well. He can 
Um, he can press to the front, which I think he's learning now. Uh, but in possession, he can drop a little bit deeper and all kinds of things. So, yeah, that's probably a one way of fitting him, Douglas Luiz and Bubaka Kamara all in the same team. And can you give me a score prediction for Sunder? Oh, good question. I'm going to go for a 2-0 win, uh, Villa. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1, Villa. 2-1. No clean sheet then, Chad. <laughs> Still no clean sheet. Hopefully soon then we'll get a clean sheet. <laughs> uh, Jacob, I know you know a lot of the work that I've been doing already, but can you spread the word about my podcast? Of course, yes. Um, I said to you earlier... Um, yeah, hopefully, um, send, put a tweet out and everything like that, and anything else you ever need from me, you've got my, uh, you you can message me whenever you yeah. want. Yeah, absolutely, no problem at all, mate. Thank you, really appreciate that. Absolutely, pleasure. Anytime you want me on, please, yeah, let me know. It's fine. Uh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have a read. I've got one comment this evening. I'm just gonna read it out. Yep. I don't see the one, but it's going down a bit. <laughs> well, so John Blevins. Uncle, my uncle John. In the last two games, Villa seemed to them trying to walk the ball into that, take it extra touch, not being clinical, as both of you say. Thank you for your comments, Uncle John. And also, thank you for everyone tuning in tonight. So, I think I'm going to. I'm going to bring this episode to a close. Thank you everyone for watching. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please give it a like, share and subscribe to my channel. Remember to keep your post notifications turned on as well. And please let me know your thoughts in the comment section below. Also, thank you so much, Jacob, for your time. Honestly, Charlie, I've really, really enjoyed it, and yeah, absolutely pleasure to be on here. And if there's anything else I can, I can ever do or, or come on again, then yeah, I'll be absolutely delighted to. Well, I'm going to wrap this episode with up the villa, <laughs> up the villa. 